0: Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go.
1: Today, guys, we want to talk about the five steps to experts. So Dr. Paul Shemp, I connected with him, I don't know, many, many years ago. I'll just say it. I don't know how long ago it was, but it seems like I've been following him for a long time on Twitter. And so I've been reading his book and I invite him on the show because I got to, I got to bone to pig with him there's some exercises in here there's some things in here and he and his exercises tell me i'm not an expert now i'm running around telling everybody i'm an expert and he says i'm not so we'll find out what that's about but at the end of the day if you read my content performance culture book which is still behind me there way in the back there you know i love the next play mentality so here's the thing whether whether his his exercise, told me I'm not an expert not, makes no difference. I mean, it's good to know, but it makes no difference because I got to get ready, run the next play, become an expert going forward. So let's find out how we're going to get there because Dr. Paul Schemp told me I'm not one. So let's find out what I can do about it. How's it going? Thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure, Christoph. It's great to finally connect and we can talk person to person here. I'm really looking forward to this. So tell me, why are you not an expert?
1: Oh, I knew you'd ask me. I didn't have that right page open. But remember, I took that. So I took the quiz rating your expertise. Because
0: you, you said a few weeks ago that you had done this and you discovered you weren't an expert. And I've been wondering what it was that that you discovered. So please.
1: So I rank at 21 to 35, which is not horrible. That's competent. So at mm-hmm. the very least, I'm not a beginner. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't remember what are the numbers. here. I, you, it's hard to tell when you look at it what areas you have to improve on. But um, what I find a lot of times these tests, as much as we we don't necessarily like them, they're usually pretty accurate. So I'm not going to challenge the validity. But at the very least, I'm competent. That's above average. And I can move forward from here. But tell us about what prompted you. To write the book and what's important about be, uh, being an expert or, or, or making your journey to be an, an expert?
0: Oh, I'm happy to share that with you. Well, Christoph, much like yourself, I discovered I wasn't an expert either. And uh, in fact, when I first started out as a, as a coach, what I discovered was I was terrible at it. And I didn't want to spend the rest of my life being terrible at what I most loved to do. So I thought, if I could study these experts, I went back to college, got a got a PhD and and started doing research to really discover what is it these experts do that I'm not doing? Because maybe if I discovered that, I could do that too. So much like you, same boat. And my question was, how do I become an expert? And that's what's led to this book.
1: So there's also different levels of being an expert, right? So there's, first of all, there's the, the experts, whatever, and they're kind of out here and Sometimes in la-la land a little bit, right? Like what's next? What could we do? Et cetera, et cetera. And uh, for it's really good at doing something. Of course, you can also, they're combined, right? So I like to say that I share everything I know. I mean, think about the uh, setup here. I got the iPad. And by the way, guys, quick shout out to switcherstudio.com. That's how I produce the show. Trap One gets you your first month off. But then I also blog about it, and then I also implement it, right? So I'm trying to really do both at the same time. But you're, are you mostly talking about becoming an expert actually doing the thing, right, not just talking about it and looking like an expert?
0: Well, it, it, that you bring up a good perspective there. I look at somebody, for example, like a Stephen Hawking. Um, didn't actually do things, but he thought. So I would consider him a thought leader. Most people considered Albert Einstein a thought leader. I mean, the only thing he did was move chalk on a board, but he did it in the right way that made some phenomenal discoveries. So I, I think you're right, Christoph. It could be in both areas. And it, it, maybe it could even be in other areas as well. Like, for example, uh, you live in Iowa, there's many people there I would consider to be expert farmers. I mean, the Skill, the knowledge, the experience it takes it to be a modern day farmer to me is just phenomenal. Fun- Let's it, see, chef.
1: It's unbelievable to me, honestly, what goes into farming. And, you know, we do live in a city in Iowa, but my wife kits me sometimes and she says, I think you only uh, married me for my uh, cow meat and pig meat, right? Because every <laughs> once in a while we go fill up, the, we drive up to the locker and, you know, one of the family members took in a cow or a pig and or whatever i don't know how many they bring in i just eat them so um but tell me about so sometimes i think when you tell people they should become an expert they think oh no 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 i don't need to be an expert Mm -hmm. but it's it's important right to hone your skill and and move it on up or, or is it not and how do we get there
0: yeah great question and you're right we all have different levels of expertise depending on what part of our life we're talking about i mean i didn't necessarily Necessarily think I was an expert parent, but I really wanted to be. Um, I'm not necessarily an expert uh, water polo player. Uh, but we have levels, of, as you said, of expertise. It's interesting, Christoph, what I find um, with most, if you will, experts that we study, and by the way, our definition of that is these are people who outperform their peers at the highest level. That, that's the definition that we use. And it's measured in three ways. Uh, And if you look at, for example, your digital marketing uh, expertise, it's your skill, it's your knowledge, and it's your experience. Those three things, the more experience you have, the more likely you're going to be expert. The more skill you have, the more likely you're going to be expert. And the more knowledge you have, the more likely you're going to be an expert. Now, with that said, experience alone doesn't make you an expert. I just noticed you were taking some notes. Take a look at your handwriting. You've been doing that for years. Are you any better at it? No. Experience alone doesn't make an expert, but you can't be an expert without experience.
1: So in you guys watching, there is actually a fun little feature here that Dr. Shrem just referred to on Switcher. He can see me when you guys can't see me. So just something. So I keep notes when when I'm not on screen in case you guys are wondering. But that's it's actually a very nice feature because sometimes, you know, you can see what's going on. Um even though when I'm not here, but but so let me I'll show you right here there
0: you go i've been
1: I've been writing things down for way too long and I'm not an expert at handwriting. so that's it's the other thing that i I just crossed um that crossed my mind when you said experience. I've worked with teams who really truly um they are good people. I'll put it that way and they are really they can do a lot of things, but their knowledge, didn't evolve with some of the strategies, right? So, for example, I once worked with a team, and you know how did, I don't know how you edited your book, but I'm sure you didn't walk around with a a back with checkoff marks on them, right, for people right. to edit. But I've worked with teams as recently as five years ago that still did that, mm-hmm. and I couldn't believe it, right? So the so they have to so you always have to bring your knowledge and and your skill, I suppose, always bring it up to the next level, nonstop. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially uh, for me, what I find with the studying these experts, and, and there's no scientific evidence to support this. It's just an observation on my part. People that have great passion for something, it's the passion that drives somebody for their, their level of expertise. It's not something you can push somebody to do. You can make them competent, even maybe proficient, and that's what I call the above average people. But to be truly an expert, you have to love what you do. And this is why most people at that expert stratified uh, level never really believe that they're truly expert because they see there's so much more for me to learn. There's so much better I could be at what I do. And that's what got them to be expert. And and Christoph, that's what's going to keep them at that level.
1: So this is a little bit the imposter syndrome, right? We had Mark Pittman on the show who who had the book. uh, What is it called again? The gift of doubt. I think I don't think that's yeah. in the carousel currently, but basically, you always think, "Oh my goodness, I'm not doing this well. I'm not doing that well. I have to improve on that." And so, certainly, I mean, I have that too. Um, you know, just with a good old, um, uh, what do you call it? Good, old, good old sense of anxiety along with it. But you know, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you you never feel like you're there. Um, and I don't know. Maybe that's some of the questions. But how do you? how do you move there i mean is it so you talk about the skill the knowledge and the experience and like when i think of those things especially in what i do i mean it just continuously evolves but how do you how do you start how do people start and is it i i'll tell you this quick story and then you can answer
0: mm-hmm.
1: i just read this thing and and it was as an employee not at vox pop me but another company on glassdoor saying the company does not doesn't uh, in, invest in employees and there's no training and meh, 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 meh. and I get it like yes mm-hmm. companies should invest in employees but you know who owns my growth? Yeah. I do. If my company doesn't invest, guess what? I'm going to reach out to you and say, "Hey, I I want to talk about this book so I can figure out how I'm going to move up the ladder, you know, because right. I'm only at 35 out of 50 or whatever it was." Mm-hmm. So how How do people get there? How do they start?
0: Um, Again, I think it's discovering what you love to do. What's that old saying about if if you do every day what you love to do, um, you never have a day of work. Um, And again, that's what I find with that. So you start with the passion that you have. Now, we don't all have the ability to choose a livelihood that's going to put food on the table, roof over our head and and have complete control over that but for most of us yeah we have some level of of control you know it was interesting i speak to a lot of associations and conferences and one of my favorite was a few years ago it was the pizza expo in las vegas the las vegas convention center had all of these vendors suppliers and they had these pizza competitions And watching these people with that high level of expertise, many of us think, you know, that's rather frivolous. But no, they took great pride in it. And, you know, when you watch these masters at work, to me, it's just it's spellbinding.
1: So, you know, it's interesting you say, well, we don't all have control as much as maybe we, we would like, but there is always some level of control, right? I mean, I'm just thinking about, so, you know, currently I don't travel much. In fact, I I think all of my travel this year might be award tickets, which is really strange. Actually, I think I paid for two flights, but we'll see, we'll, we'll see how the year ends out up here. Wow. Um, but I'm thinking about flight attendants, right? Mm-hmm. So flight attendants in the big picture of things have very little control over anything, right? They don't control when the plane takes off. They don't have control over um, whether the plane is in good shape. I mean, there's a, all kinds of things they don't have control over. They, they get told when they, they bring out the water or when they don't. They you know Now United says they have to greet certain United flyers differently again or I don't know, whatever. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot of things a flight attendant, when they choose to go down that route, that they can control, right? I mean, and make it and become an expert.
0: Absolutely. Can I give you an example? You talk about travel. Um, Please. This this happened on a Delta Airlines flight, and we were going to, I think it was the Cayman Islands. And there was a flight attendant on that flight who had been flying for over 15 years. And every time they went to Cayman, there was usually a layover there. So she would go to different restaurants, and she would write down... What her experiences were in those restaurants, she would visit hotels, she would visit other types of things that tourists might be interested in. And she had a one sheet paper that she announced, if you would like this, share it with you. And she became famous. That was her route that she would do. I mean, she went beyond the average, if you will. To me, that represents... She's an expert in her business uh, because a flight attendant, it's all about customer service. It's about safety. It's about profi- making it a great experience. And and I think she did that far beyond what most people would do. So you're right, Christoph, you know, it, it you could be an, an expert in almost anything.
1: Almost anything. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I do think sometimes people look for excuses why they can't do it or they, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe they don't want to do it. And I, I do also think some people are scared by the term expert, quite frankly, yeah. a little bit. So, so everybody wants to do the best possible job
0: mm-hmm. um, in
1: whatever it is that they're doing. So let's I mean, maybe not maybe not in order of importance, but give give us some highlights here on what are the steps and and how to, uh, you know, let's start there.
0: Sure. Um, We all begin as a novice in whatever we do, whether we're talking about going to kindergarten the first time or we're going first day in a job, we all start as a novice. Now, the thing that will keep you as a novice, and what was interesting, we did this as a study, is how much you believe you know to do your job. Novices rate themselves much higher Uh, We did this with coaches and also business leaders, first-time business leaders. And the novices rated themselves around eight out of a scale of one to 10, 10 being you couldn't learn anymore. You want to guess at what the experts rated themselves? Four. Very good. 4.5 was the average. Yep. Because they recognized how much there was to learn. And here's the danger, Christoph. When you believe you pretty much know all there is to know about something, you make no effort to learn anymore. And experts are insatiable learners. They're always looking. Like one of the things that I like about the things that you're talking about with you is that you're always reading things, aren't you? You're always looking for new information. You're always turning over old ideas, finding new ways to use them. That's a characteristic of an expert. If you felt like you had it nailed, you would be doing the same thing five years from now that you're doing today. And that's not going to happen, is it, Christoph?
1: No, what's interesting about that is I, um, I, I think I learn a lot of things. But, you know, in my field especially, there is so much new stuff going on all the time. I'll give you an example. Six years ago, we would not be doing this. What we would be doing is I would interview you, write an article, and then I publish the article. And then right. we would send it back and forth a couple of times. And depending how nitpicky you are, you would make, you know, mm-hmm. suggestions or whatever. But today, we still do articles. Yep. But we also do a live stream, right? Because I realized that we can reach way more people by doing a live stream than we do a podcast mm-hmm. and then we do an article maybe, and then we do this and the other things. And there they are slightly different skill sets, you know, yep. like you need mm-hmm. a different setup. So um, but I'm trying to think back when I first started. and of course, that was a different time, so to, so to speak. But our, our you know, performance reviews, like I would rank myself pretty high because yeah. I was new, right? you know, and I didn't know. So mm-hmm. how, how do people realize that they're in that state? Like, how did I know? Is it really just me getting a little older and realizing it and, you know, taking a chill pill? Or how do I how do I get there?
0: I, I think that's part of it. The experience teaches you that there's much more to learn. I also think it's the way you look at failure, Christophe. Um, mm-hmm. Experts use failure as fuel to improve. Um, people who are, if you will, average, competent people, they'll generally look to blame something or someone else for their shortcomings. And so it, it absolves them of any responsibility. And whenever I hear somebody saying, "Oh, you know, the weather's terrible, or, or COVID has caused my me to go out of business," as soon as you're looking for other reasons that you're not successful, you will never climb that ladder of expertise. Experts look at themselves first, just as you mentioned, and they say, "What can I do to be better at this? What can I learn that's going to help me more? What kinds of experiences?" Should I try? I'm gonna guess you love talking with other people who do live streaming podcasts, right? Because you want to learn from them. Yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. And I mean, I talk to anybody, and just I mean, first of all, because I want to learn, and second of all, it's the only way we get to talk to adults. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, to hey. make something else that you brought up um, that you went from podcast to live streaming because you said everybody's doing a podcast. People weren't doing live stream. Experts are innovators. You will never be a leader in anything by following everybody else. You've got to have the courage or whatever you want to call it that's going to make you do something a little bit different that you think, hey, there's some potential here. This may work. You can't be afraid of failing.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And and also, so I've given up on the whole thing of not afraid of failing but I don't see very many things as failing anymore. I'll give you an example. I literally earlier today gave a presentation to the sales team, right? Global Mm -hmm. sales team. And two hours after I was done, I found this other thing that could have, should have, would have been in that presentation. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think about it. You know what I did? I said, Hey, Hey guys and gals, I just found this other thing. You might want to consider doing that too. You know, like I like, 15 years ago, me, I may have been like, oh my God, it's gonna look so bad. I didn't know this one thing. But there is so many variables and then stuff changes. I I had a, you know, Amazon Live, uh, currently the numbers are a little down for me on Amazon Live. And my wife said, I said to my wife, I said, well, that's not gonna work really well on this one project. And she goes, it happens all the time. Stuff changes all the time. Nobody, people will be like, Oh shoot, bad timing. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it happens all the time and you just kind of have to roll with it. And as I call it, the next play mentality. Now let's talk about prioritization. I know you talk about, so first of all, quick question. You have these wonderful worksheets in your book and I just, I literally wrote in the book. So nobody else is getting it because it's my stuff, even though they can't read it. I mean, they can read the check marks, but so you can, you also have it in Kindle, right? So people can get the Kindle version, and just print the worksheets, I suppose. Right.
0: I believe so. Or they can email me and I would be happy to do that because they heard it on your show, Christoph. Yeah. I'll supply yeah. that for free. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Awesome. Um, but you have some good worksheets in there. And one especially that struck me is, you know, write down the three, it was like something write down the three skills that would make a big difference in, in your your yeah. job mm-hmm. and So you got to pick. Like I can't pick everything. I mean, how do you how do you decide those, and how did you come up with that?
0: Mm -hmm. That that's a great point. Um, One of the things I had the privilege of doing for for about twelve years, I was the performance coach for the Swedish Golf Federation, which means I helped design the practice routines, mostly for the elite male golfers in Sweden, uh, PGA and European Tour pros and one of the things i quickly discovered is they were trying to work on too many skills which meant Mm -hmm. they didn't get really good at any of them so we came up with this or i came up with this idea let's say you were one of my players Christoph. i'd say Christoph, tell me the one skill that you believe that if we changed it we improved it it would make the biggest difference now these are pros in your paycheck at the end of the year and here's why, because if we concentrated on the most important thing, took care of that and really got good at it, we're really going to get better. Now, if I said to you, Christoph, I want you to give me the 32 skills that will really help me. Make... Yeah, you got it. I see you shaking your head. It doesn't work. That's why you really need to know. And sometimes you need a coach. Uh, Anders Ericsson, the, the researcher from Florida State who came up with that 10,000 hours. Yeah. It wasn't just 10,000 hours to be an expert. It was 10,000 hours of deliberate practice. And if you actually read the study he did, much of it was supervised by a coach. Because sometimes we need external information. We need some somebody that has a more objective eye than we do to say, "Nope, just pick the one, pick the two that are going to make the difference. Great point there. Mm-hmm.
1: Well... <laughs> So, as you were just talking about that, what came to my mind is, um, I don't know, what am I wearing that a Washington football team had, but Iowa Hawkeyes here last year, the football team, you know, they had virtual workouts, right? So, everybody came to practice on their own, and they had a new quarterback, and so the the quarterbacks coach this year, he goes, I'm so glad we're all back together, and here's the reason why, because we had Zoom meetings, and then everybody went and did their own thing, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't coach them right so if they taught themselves the wrong step or uh, wrong whatever mm-hmm. that then i right. saw them in august and guess what they've been doing that stupid wrong thing for months and i don't know anything about it
0: mm-hmm.
1: are the we people
0: right yeah what they were doing it with the best intentions to try to improve, to contribute to the team. But yeah, they just needed that. If you will, that coach, I'm sorry, you're going to ask a question.
1: I was, I, so how do we find these coaches? Who's going to help us? Is that just like, you know, our team members or, or how do, how do we do that?
0: Great question. Um, one of the things that we discovered about people who are true experts in their field, most of them had between three and five mentors. And what was also interesting had no idea they had the impact they did on that particular person. And so if I would suggest anybody can benefit from a mentor, it doesn't matter how old you are, a definition of a mentor is somebody that has more experience in what you do. I mean, Christoph, I think about like for example, my my phone. All right. I I have limited abilities with technology, but I have a doctoral student, Marcus Dexter, who is I mean, this man is lives for technology. So I'll say Dex. I heard about the iPhone and teach me how to use it. I mean he mentors me in technology and he's probably like half my age. And so we can all benefit from mentors. Mm-hmm
1: yeah absolutely it just it's always a question how you find them especially right now because you know we're all at home and and i was kind of joking earlier like this is the only time i get to talk to people outside of a Zoom meeting and i don't have that many Zoom meetings quite frankly um you know but um so we have to but it's easier than ever to connect with people i mean content marketing institute has a mentoring program others have mentoring programs i think even linkedin you can do it so mm-hmm. definitely, um, definitely worthwhile. And plus, Plus, now you can just read people's books and you can connect with them yes. on social media, which back yeah. in the day, like back in the day, I don't know, where are you based? Back in the day, we wouldn't have connected, I'm guessing. Athens, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, so probably not, right? I haven't made right. my way down there in, in no. I don't know, a couple of years. No. Athens is so, one of
0: places you have to be going there to get there. Nobody, nobody shows up by accident. <laughs> it's kind of so like well, water iowa
1: (laughs) yeah it's uh, yeah mary and iowa nobody really comes here unless they're visiting me and and i don't know why they why they would come and visit me Mm -hmm. all right awesome um what else about becoming an expert any final um parting tips you have that people really should take to heart or one um,
0: thing that we're kind of discovering is the power of intuition mm -hmm. can i just mention that briefly oftentimes oftentimes we believe that we have to think logically about everything, that we need all the data. We need all the information. We have to process it, and we're going to come up with the right answer. And that's important. It's, it's critically important that we do that. But what we find with experts is that they, they look at the world a little bit differently, and they actually look for patterns. Analytic thinking requires data points. Patterns means that you see something. And they're able to perceive those patterns and know if something's, if you will, together or something's coming apart and they have an intuitive feeling about it. And what we've discovered is that intuitive feeling is actually more powerful than the logic. Now, what's critical there is two things. One is you have to have extensive knowledge of the people or the event and you have to have extensive knowledge and experience in the environment. It takes those two things. So, for example, if you and I knew each other really, really well, Christophe, uh, for years, and I walked into a store and I thought, your birthday is coming up. Christoph would love this coffee cup. You never mentioned you want this coffee cup, but I know this is what you would like. How do I know that? Intuition. I've seen you in the environment, in the experience. I buy that and you, you say to me, Paul, how did you know? That's exactly what I've wanted all my life. So we need to we need to trust the intuition when it comes, but support it with the, the analytic thinking too.
1: It's I'm I'm chuckling a little bit inside because I don't think anybody has gotten me any gift. I actually wanted <laughs> in 30 years. Um but, but the the reason is because if I want that hat, this one right here, you know what, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna order it. <laughs> if I want to, you know what I mean? If I want something new, others get it. Like people usually don't have a chance right. to actually buy it for me as a gift because, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm chuckling, But I get the point. Intuition is interesting. And and I actually think, I don't remember who said this. I may, it may have been on the Real Talk, the Customer Insights show with Jen Vogel, mm-hmm. where they talked about, um, I don't remember who said it, but you have to use your intuition and you have to use the data and you have to yes. figure out what, you, you can't just do one or the other. Yeah. Exactly. Right.
0: Mm hmm. But if you only do one, it doesn't always help. I mean, you're in marketing. I mean, think about it. The greatest marketing campaigns on a logical level, oftentimes uh, they would never would have used, but there was something there. OK, can you you could probably think of a story, a narrative, an example of that, right?
1: Don't get me started on, mark- on weirdness and marketing. Um, <laughs> we have one today. I'm not sure I'm, I'm supposed to share that one quite yet. But the one that comes to my mind, remember this. So Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. had the Nike commercial. And, oh, yes. and all the coverage
0: mm-hmm. that
1: Nike got, the coverage in the media right. was horrible, right? Everybody was beating up on Nike. And so I looked. So Nike, Adidas, Reebok, I don't know if. Under Armour was in there or not, but their search traffic was pretty similar. It's usually pretty similar. And when the commercial hit, you know what happened to Nike? It went like this. Yep. So search traffic went way up. So it's a success just from that. Yep. And then later, Nike released their quarterly, whatever, numbers, whatever it's called. And they made a boatload of money off that campaign.
0: Wow. So.
1: So the point is, even though all these media people and get, I am a journalist by heart. I'm still a journalistic storyteller. Mm -hmm. So I'm the last person to bash any media of any kind, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. But interestingly, it worked Mm -hmm. and nobody said anything good about it. (laughs) So it's like you have to take the data, you have to take your intuition, you have to push forward. So it's very interesting. Yeah.
0: And again, with experts, and you mentioned this, Christoph. they use both. They use both. And what I find with people who are competent generally will only pull the trigger when all of the ducks line up, when all of the data makes sense. And and they get, if you will, a fairly average, sometimes above average performance.
1: Fantastic discussion, guys. I do recommend the book, Five Steps to Expert. Um, My playback it's 30 seconds delayed. So I just watched myself telling that Nike story and I looked like I was getting into it. So my apologies for being overly uh, animated, but ha, ha anyway, um, this is a good book. Really recommend you get it. You can get it on Amazon. If you're watching on Amazon, it is in the carousel. I do have it linked in all the other channels. Um, so there you go, Dr. Shemp. Thanks for making your time. Uh, I think you're traveling, right? So thanks for making the time while you're on the road.
0: Yeah, I'm in Columbus, Ohio right now. I'm speaking to a, a business group here tomorrow morning. So, and then I head back to Atlanta. Mm-hmm.
1: Fantastic. So- I, mm-hmm. I, I was in Columbus a few years ago and I was on American Airlines flight, AA
0: 1492.
1: Really? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, this is actually very like, how subtle, right? So, but, um, anyway, Columbus, of course, you know, came to, um, now the United States in 1492, but it's just, and I think they did something, I think Delta did something like that too. Uh, maybe they had a Delta flight 1776 going into Philadelphia on Independence ah, Day. So it's uh creative and subtle. Um, thank you for making the time. Really appreciate you, um, uh, fitting me in.
0: Mm-hmm. Christoph, vielen Dank für alles.
1: Bitteschön. Uh, was schön Sie hier zu haben. If you guys don't know German, I grew up in Germany, Dr. Schemp lived in Germany. So every once in a while, so funny quick story before I let you go. I did do a keynote in German once, in Germany, but it was remote. It was last year. I published it as a podcast episode and people listened to it. I don't know who, but, but people did. So um, there we go. Vielen Dank nochmals. Bis zum nächsten Mal. Und viel Spaß morgen früh.